Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. And we're back, Chelsea fans, with part two of the London Is Blue podcast. Double feature. It's been a new norm and uh, haven't really gotten any negative feedback from it. So, you know, I guess, Nick, I'm just going to assume no news is good news. You know what I mean? Correct. Yeah. If, if we're not getting visceral hatred, um, I feel pretty pretty darn good about it in this uh, in this Twitter day and age. Is that how low we've had to set the bar after <laughs> after all these years? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I feel like our, our audience has been our audience has been good about letting us know when we suck and Thus far, um, throughout the season, they have not overwhelmingly, Dan, let us know that we suck. So that's pretty good. They they, they did come after you for the beard, for Beardgate, and yeah. uh, rightfully oh, so. That, that was deserved. Um, they did <laughs> not come des- after me for proclaiming that New York pizza is the best style pizza. Uh, hashtag Pizza Wars. So uh, I feel really good about that, Mike. I'm feeling good that, uh, you know, it, it is the superior pizza. And uh, we're not going to talk about that pie shit you get from uh, Chi-Town. Jeez. <laughs> oh, there is no crust but thin crust. But that's just, you know, my East Coast uh, bringing up. So Yeah, I mean, what does Seattle have when it comes to pizza? They, they basically just fillet a Special fish pizza? And, and put sauce on it. 
and then throw it to you in a fucking fish market. That's what they do in <laughs> Seattle. Exactly. Exactly. It's the All flying right. pie. All with right. Some co- with some coffee on it and weed. That That's how we do pizza. Okay. That sounds miserable. <laughs> well, to be that's... fair, I think a lot of people could get behind that. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the West Coast, Dan. Thought yeah, that. Dan. <laughs> Guess that wasn't oregano on that pizza after all. So, anyways, <laughs> let's go ahead. We have completely lost the plot here, and bringing it back is our my duties as the host. Um, is uh, we're gonna pivot immediately into a reminder that we are going to London. I know Nick, we talked about this on the last episode, but it is good to kind of let them know that. Uh, we're this close to the match tickets are genuinely hard to get at this point for anyone so just don't delay don't delay yeah exactly we are super pumped to be going back to london uh it is legitimately a thing that i earmark in my year now and i'm so super pumped to go back uh we have a really great trip uh, that is going to be uh scheduled so uh, working on currently, um, you know, we know that we'll be at Palace Away, sorry, and uh, Southampton Home. We are also going to be extending our trip a little bit to do the FA Cup match the following weekend. Uh, so if you're interested in that, let us know. There are a couple of people in our group who are going to go to Watford on Boxing Day um, ahead of the trip. So that's pretty cool that they're doing that. And, uh, and we're working on some other goodies too, like a live pod, like New Year's Eve plans, like new year's day hangover plans and and much much more so uh just really excited to see everyone we we already have about 25 people signed up uh it's going to be raucous it's going to be fun um we're, we're excited to do it if you have any questions and i you know i know we're kind of getting to decision day here um in terms of people spending their money but uh dm us email us contact at london is and we will take care of it, and we will we will make sure that you get your questions answered. So, uh, in that vein, Lego. Okay, we're, here we go. We're going, guys. And to kick it off, as always, when it comes to these social media questions, we actually start with our Patreoners, uh, and that is right. We did have uh, Patreoners. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, we had Patreoners. No, it's and, not right. And, and here's the That's, deal. That can't I, I messed, be right. Listen, listen, listen. I messed up last episode. I didn't do iTunes views. I didn't do the Patreon names, so I'm going to do them now. That we had JL, Jacob, Dexter, and Ragav all joining the Patreon bandwagon. Yeah. What Huge up? shout outs to all of you. And Patrons. the immediate perk you get for it is guaranteeing that we answer your question on part two of all of our episodes. So with that prize that reward happened brandon brandon i I do want to advertise the fact that everyone has kept them very match specific Uh, it doesn't have to be that way you want to ask nick um why he would think about shaving his beard you can do that (laughs) if you want to ask mike about tin can audio from last week uh, you can do that if you want to ask me for riveting takes on movies you can do that um, it doesn't Yours have to just was, be. Well, that was like the most muted, yeah, like, cool. hot take question yeah, ever. Cool. You guys want to ask me about my favorite music. <laughs> Look, I'll, I'll also give you uh, pizza reviews, too, and uh, talk to you about why Chicago pizza is terrible again. Um, we'll I you, can do that. We'll ask you why you decide to live in Oakland, because uh, there's got to be some good stories about that. But anyway, <laughs> San Francisco's day. too expensive. San Francisco's too expensive. Easy it's question. It's got to be more exciting than that. Jacob from Patreon. <laughs> Uh, this is what he says. He says, man of the match performance from Rudiger. He was impressive. 
I'll just put the same question I asked on Twitter here because I can't think of any more. Is it time to try Kovacic, Jorginho, Barkley, midfield trio? Mateo looked defensively strong today, and I don't think he should have been subbed off. There were moments today where Angola looked lost, and I think we really could have used the attacking oomph that Barkley provides. Now, here's the deal. I've literally asked all three of you this question over and over. So I'm just <laughs> going to open it up and say, is there anyone out there that is like, yeah, we should bench N'Golo? No. Like, look, man, uh, J- Jacob, you're the man because you're on Patreon, and I, I respect you. However, <laughs> I-, I think here's where I disrespect you. I'm kidding. Um <laughs> here- <laughs> <laughs> what if that was the thing? Uh, what if, with all due respect, just came with a, here's where I don't respect you? Um, no. Uh, I, I think when you look at Jorginho's performance today, like in, we had bigger problems than N'Golo. And I think Jorginho was, you know, a, a lesser performance than N'Golo today. I, I do think everyone is like really hyped about Barkley right now. When Barkley came on the field, he couldn't get a touch right. He really, really struggled. He let that like forty-five yard shot go fifteen yards wide, just because I think he wanted to prove something. And it was at that point where I was like, Ugh, "This is just not." He's he's too emotional about this game. Like the Everton fans are giving him a bunch of stick. He's just not into it. Like I I don't think you can take Ingolo out of this midfield and it, have it perform as defensively solid as it has. And and that's just my take, Mike. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you. Oh. I think I think that in, if any match we were gonna take Conte off, it would have been it would have been this match. He ha- he was on a yellow. I think it really curbed his mm. effectiveness. Um, and and I do think that you know tactically in certain situations it would be nice to have you know uh, Kovacic and Barkley on on the pitch at the same time. I think if you know we're you know 20 minutes to go. If if you know if the opposition is just shutting it down and 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 backing up to their own goal, then maybe we need to try something different. And and I think this might have been an interesting attempt. I think you know and and in, in defense of Barkley, I think he's been at his best when he comes on relatively early in the second half. You know, a, a, you know, sixty fifth, seventieth minute substitution. So he has some time to get into the flow of the game. And I think. Yeah, he probably had a lot of nerves or feelings or, you know, was just trying to overperform probably. But um, I think this might have been a match to try it. I think I would brought that up as well, saying that I'm sure there's going to be some matches that you you don't have to play him. But it's weird. It's like, yeah, I don't have to play him, but why would I not play a world-class midfielder? I guess I think that picking up that silly caution early, I think that did hamstring a little bit, Mike. So I think that today could have been it's not like you had a bad game you just you had to fight with one hand behind your back and so we should have let someone who could gone and and kind of disrupt play against Everton a little bit more I think that makes sense um I'm, I'm sure Jacob's not saying permanently you know again I just think this is more of a it's a different look right and yeah. right now we haven't done it in the Premier League we've only really rested him in the Europa League so you know, the part of it is you're not challenged in the Europa League, Dan. So you don't want to play him there because you're essentially wasting him. But it well, seems uh, counterproductive but, but, to not play him. You, you, you say not, you say not challenged though in the Europa League, but we only beat Bate one nothing. So uh, I, I I will say that I, I chances think, were there. 
sure chances were here in this game too um but it all comes out on what your final score was and did you walk away with maximum points or you know uh, the position that you're looking for um i think generally you know you you can have one of a ross barkley or a ruben loftus cheek on the field at the time uh you can have a kovacic um on the field because he's kind of a little more unique in terms of what he offers versus you know Conte and then Jorginho is kind of the one that you know there's Cesc as a backfill and that's really it right now um I think in in that regard I probably you could try it but I'm sure they've tried that on the training ground you know I, I just because we haven't seen it doesn't mean that they haven't tried that formation to see what it looks like and I'm sure at some point we will see something like it potentially um but I, I think you have the the key to the system is both off ball movement and then also like what do you do in terms of the possession when you have it and uh, as much as Ross has improved, and I think in a lot of ways, categorically from his time at Everton, and even when he first had some shots at the the Chelsea first team here, is he he does you know lose possession a little bit. He will work to get it back, but you know in terms of retaining possession, if you have Kovacic, Conte, and Jorginho, you're more likely going to have then the opportunity with possession to create the opportunity to score, and I think that's where. Um, I don't necessarily see Conte, you know, because of the way he presses down, because of his off-the-ball movement, uh, he's he's very integral in winning the ball back in a way that Ross isn't. Um, not to say that Ross doesn't offer more going forward in terms of an attacking threat, um, but it's just, it's what do you want out of this midfield? And I think that's going to change from game to game, and so that it, it is situational to an effect, but uh, there's also some core tenets. The core tenets of sorry ball or sorry, Sarissimo is possession, and that's where Conte over Barkley is is going to be the reason why he starts, you know, every match. Huh. Well, okay then. As always, opening the door to our audience. Appreciate the call, Jacob. Uh, next one from Akshay says, uh, "Doesn't does anyone think that Sari is a little stuck on his substitutions? In parentheses, not that it's been a particularly bad issue so far, being unbeaten and all." Uh, but, for example, when it was clear that all Everton was playing was for a draw after the 60th minute, I would have liked to see some creative subs to help. One scenario would be to swap Fabregas for Jorginho, but leave William on and swap Kovacic for Pedro. Having Conte sitting in the defensive mid for the last 20 would have allowed William Fabregas to push up from midfield while Hazard, Alonso, Pedro caused chaos on the wings. I just don't think uh, the like-for-like subs were inspiring today. We're at a point where draws are looking like losses when trying to keep up to man shitty. He wrote that, not me. And liver drool, again, not my work, uh, who are unbeaten in the league as well. Mike is it was was sorry not creative enough this goes back to is he too set on his system is it too rigid it it's kind of hard to say he is being that we are in the position that we're at but at the same time I do think that we need to have a little bit more dynamic or a different look um you know at 12 12 games undefeated it's kind of hard to say the system's broken um, you know, eight wins, four draws, but I don't, I, I think that Fabregas coming on was uninspired. If we were, if we're in a match and we're dealing with a younger, more mobile Regista being shut down and overpressured, how in the world is Cesc going to change things? And I, and I, I know that the thought is that 
and, and we did see it where Seska is more willing to play a ball over the top and more direct rather than, you know, side to side passing. And I respect that. I just don't think that, I don't know, Nick, I, I just, I didn't think that that was going to, to break the Everton press. Probably not. Probably not. Like, look, uh, I, I think the, we we said this very early on when it was very clear that Jorginho was like the metronome of the team, right? If he's not in there, the team doesn't pass the ball the, the same way as when he is. So if he's having an off game, I, I think it probably would benefit you to maybe move N'Golo Kante back and then throw Ruben or Barkley or some combination thereof into the game just to see what happens, right? You know, I mean, that's that's... If we're already passing the ball slow, then then why not have that defensive you know solidity uh, back there? So that that's just kind of my my take on it, and uh, I don't. It's not as if I don't think that you know. Unlike Mike, I, I think Sess still has an, an a, 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 something to give to this team. I'm not sure uh, how much he has left, but I, I do think he has something left to give. But in, in, in today's match, then just do a little bit of a switcheroo, moving Gologante back and then move uh, you know, Ruben or, or Barkley into that spot and, and switch it up a little bit, Brandon. What I would say that this is the only the second time Chelsea have failed to score a goal in the Premier League, the other one being the nil-nil draw against West Ham. So overall, it's it didn't work today because we didn't score. But kind of like Mike said and you know, Nick, and, and I think we're all kind of leaning towards it has been working with very minor blips. So is he rigid in a system? Yes. But is it working so far? Probably better than most of us expected. But to be fair, I give actually some credit. I think that he had some some creative ideas. Again, fine margins in the Premier League, kind of hard to get in and, and talk too much about it. So um anyways uh patreon thank you guys so so much next up uh the only real question here from uh at knox underscore cfc the knoxville blue saying why is everything terrible i mean dan is uh is the pessimist on the pod i just tell us (laughs) what is going on in your life right now help us understand how we can help you uh, I, I think we need to kind of understand and take a moment to get with our friends in Knoxville to understand why, where they're at emotionally. Um, the, you know, there are resources we can help point them to in order to uh, was, assist. What, was it the pizza comment from earlier? Is that what you guys were upset about? Because <laughs> if you are upset about that, you're wrong and feel worse. Um no, I'm nothing. Nothing. This is an unprecedented run for a new Premier League manager and. You know, the, the team is, you know, I think, genuinely outperforming. And, you know, there's been a couple of results that are kind of head scratchers or hard won. And, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I don't think things are terrible. I'm generally excited about what we'll continue to do and see under Sorry. So uh, no reason to be disappointed. That, that would be yeah, that would be a, a really bad place to be. You know, we should be very happy about where we, uh, where we are currently. Uh, that's the wrong answer. Dan's jokes are the reason why everything is terrible. <laughs> Mike has been waiting to just drop that in for, for months. Finally gets a chance, and it's like, you can see him warming up his hands. Just, here we go. I'm about to, I'm about well, to see, drop. It's, 
I'm going to put a poll on Facebook or on Instagram. We'll, we'll see. We got, we got a tweet. <laughs> I want to say last week that there weren't enough Dan isms. And so I think Dan's bringing it extra what, strong. What did week. Dan, did Dan pay someone to say that or what? Uh, uh, yeah, I just uh, hired, hired a couple firms out of uh, Cambridge Analytica and they, uh, they did all the work for me. Yeah. It was at, from uh, at definitely not Dan Dormer. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> That, all right. that all that all checks out to me. I think we're good. <laughs> so the next round of questions that we did get were a lot of bit um we're a lot about tactics here. So I know that this kind of leaned into it, but uh Jesper Farso saying, Why is it so easy to shut us down? Uh Aerith Muggle saying, Do you think our inability to break teams down is a personnel issue, i.e. not making enough runs into the box or something about the players, or is it more tactical? So is it is it a personnel problem or is it a tactical problem? Uh, football fan 2016 says why can't we play one touch football aka the real sorry ball and then john lascano saying is it time to explore a different formation strategy so uh, you know there and to be fair there were so many more uh ugo uh rake elk malcolm shetty mike just well speaking of not burner counts mike um <laughs> when it comes when it comes to tactics um I guess I, I am pretty interested, uh, Nick, in hearing what you guys think. If it's a personnel or maybe a tactical issue with Chelsea right now. God. I mean, so, can so it be both? Yeah, like that, that was kind of going to be my point. Like there are some days, you know, for for uh, Aerith Muggle here, there are some days that our players don't play to their maximum ability. Thus, it becomes a personnel problem. Then there are some days where, you know, and I think Everton did a really great job at exploiting the Jorginho, you know, role today where it becomes a, a system or, or a tactical problem. And there are some days, you know, and it's, it's been a rare day under sorry, where both of those things kind of come to a head at the same time. And we, we have a, you know, a, a below average performance. Usually we're able to compensate for one of those. Um, you know, I think teams take a gamble, you know, to, to think that we'll have both of those happen. So, um, I don't know, man, I, I think it was just an off day, like, and without, without getting too upset about it. And I realize that we're in, in a top four fight for our lives here. And, and, you know, there's a lot on the line. Like I don't underplay that at all. I think there are just some days where you kind of just have to, you know, go home and do better the next time out and you know i don't know i i don't want to make it a hell of a lot more complicated than that mike you know i've i've been trying to think about why we're struggling it and and my take on this is that i think i think our 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 front three front six i think we're getting bullied i think too often when when you watched you know palace attack us and get you know, get their equalizing goal. We have teams that are attacking us straight down the middle. They get close to the final third. They might spread it out wide before crossing it back in, and it's effective. We are, I think we are too reliant on pushing it to the outside. We stick along the perimeter of the 18 and try to pass, do, you know, like just a lot of sideways passing that's not that fast. And I don't think we're doing a very good job of, you know, tr- you know, having a, a real target men at times and we're i think we're just getting bullied around and teams are realizing that we don't have uh big physical players uh you know i mean murata is our biggest player of of the 
six you know, of the midfield and and the uh, the forwards today, and it just I don't know. I think we're just seeing teams kind of kick through us and it pushes us back a little bit more and we just try and get fancy and it plays into their defensive compact formations and i think we need to try and attack in a different way uh you know i think we've kind of probably beaten this you know particular point into the the ground and i, I mean i think nick was you know heads on that you know ultimately it's it's come down to the type of match. I think in general, the tactics have been exceptional and have elevated the players and the players have let the system down for the majority of it, except in this scenario, um, as regards to, uh, defending, you know, de- defending those two lines of four and having alternative plans for it. I think generally the tactics have been extremely astute and it's down to personnel not being able to execute, um, less so it being an issue of the tactics not being set up for success. All right. Well, a part of the tactics, obviously, uh, are the players and if they can carry out the tactics. And so this might surprise you all, but we had a ton of questions about Alvaro Morata in this episode and a huge shout out to uh, at 38 Blues, uh, who gave us this nice little jingle to uh, intro us into our striker talk. Stand by for today's striker update in five, four, three, two, one. Give me a position. The name's Stryker. I'm sitting down and facing front. Stryker. Stryker, 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 Stryker. All right, and with that, here we are, the striker segment. Uh, unfortunately, though, it's going to be pretty short because, Mike, we've only got two of them. And Alvaro was the man that sorry went with today. So, uh, with that being said, Chad Pierce hitting us says, "Is it just me or does Morata have more passion for arguing with the officials than he does throughout the game?" <laughs> Jeff Boston saying, "Why is it so difficult?" First Conte, now sorry to coach the falling to ground, whining, complaining out of Morata. Lucas Bird saying, "Considering how young Alvaro Morata is, how long do you think the club will hold on to him and hope he grows?" NJ Skurs saying, is it time to get a real striker in January? Jason White even piling on saying, I'm done with people saying we need to give Murata time. He's been here almost a season and a half, and he's not good enough. He's a diver, a constant motor, and doesn't have the right attitude. Guys, I'm trying here. Uh, oh. I, there's, I'm not seeing anything positive, unfortunately. I'm not really seeing anything that, that um, resolves this. Uh M. Wakanga Francis saying, we need an aggressive striker with the likes of Didier Drogba and Diego Costa. I don't know. All right. So again, we have two strikers. You have one that is much better at setting up goals and scoring them, which is World Cup winner Olivier Giroud, who Ed Nazard has said he loves playing with. And then you have Alvaro Morata, who was on a bit of a heater and unfortunately reverted back to type this week so with all that being said i think Maurizio sorry has put a lot of faith in alvaro but the end quality dan um if we're being cutthroat and trying to manage the club not as fans but as you know achieving the high levels of success that chelsea needs where are we at when it comes to the strikers well, first off, I feel like we should have had like a, a, a direct sponsor after that because that that was a clear miss with the wonderful yeah. work that Corey did for us. Um, I would say second, 
Um, Alvaro Morata, I believe, has four goals, five games. Um, you know, obviously today was not a great outing for him. Um, look, I, I think you want to have a you know a, a amazing one or two competition between our top two strikers and. I would say that based upon current production, neither of them is a the one striker, right? They're both like 2A and 2B. Um, so you would hope that we would go out and reinforce the position with uh, another individual who will challenge and make the better and provide competition. Uh, ultimately, like we are not where we should be competitively from an attack standpoint. I mean, you have Eden Nazard, who's the one of probably two world-class players on our entire team next to him and Agola Conte, like top three of their position in the entire world. That is not Murata, that is not Drew, that is not William, that is not Pedro. Like the attack as a whole, like to broaden it just a little bit, uh, is is suspect compared even with the current output, um, which is better than it has been over the past couple matches. You know, as Eden Hazard has struggled a little bit, you know, Morata comes up with a couple goals. Uh, Drew comes up with a goal finally. Like, he was really desperate for that one, very, very thirsty for it, Nick, and it finally came good. But they're they're both the a, a two option, right? They're not number one. Uh, so every time I watch uh, Alvaro Morata, I, I look at movement more than anything else. Is he in position to receive the ball and put it in the net? Or is he causing enough chaos with his runs so that Eden or William or, you know, even even a Barkley or a Ruben has a chance to, to free up and score? There have been some games where he's been very good in that. And, you know, some being like, I would say, 20% of his total games at Chelsea where he's been very good. And he he's given the you know the opposing backline fits, and there has been a a majority, at least in my mind, Mike, where he has he has not done that. He's not been ready to receive the ball. He's not made the right runs. He's been flopping all over the place. And f- frankly, for a guy who gets you know I th- I think as much trust and as much um, you know frankly as much money as he does to to do the thing that he's born to do. The, the easiest thing to coach out is the flopping. You know, if the movements aren't right, or you're playing against an especially stingy opposition or whatever. I think we can all forgive that, but man, you know, that, that part really bums me out. And it's not to say that he can't, he can't get over it. it it's just to say that we've seen him, we've seen him be good. So now we have an expectation that he can do that and he's just not doing it. Yeah. yeah I, I think this is a really tough Tough question because, you know, so often when we're talking about Murata, it's are we talking about that specific performance or are we talking about as a whole? And I think it's really hard, you know, even when he has four goals in, you know, a couple matches, you know, everybody's just looking at the past and it's kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, I, I think he is getting – I think he's the scapegoat for this match. Because I think he had a legitimate penalty call with a defender tackling him in the box, grabbing him by the neck and pulling him down as a ball came in. And I think that had that happened, had the right call been made, we're somewhat miffed by the the match, but we're not, you know, we're not kind of tearing him apart. I, I think that as a whole, our 
our team did not play well. You know, Eden had 15 minutes of magic, right, and 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 was gone for 75 minutes. So I think, I think Murata gets just too much crap, and I'm sure everyone will hate me for this, but like, yeah, he falls down too much, and yeah, he was. I don't know how you. I don't know how he was only offsides five times because I felt like it was at least ten times. But <laughs> he, he's that, not the only problem on this team. That, if we're going to be honest, that was your boy Trinache saying, "Should Marata have been subbed off the side today?" <laughs> <laughs> that was that was well played, Trinache. Well, here's my thing. If the forwards aren't going to do it, then they should be providers to those who can do it. And Giroux has a great track record of setting up other players to get their goals. And he will occasionally, uh, you know, be a threat on a cross or a set piece and other things like that. So I don't know. You know, we were singing Marat's praises last week and rightfully so. But then we've immediately gone right back to the things we praised him for not doing and 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 that's where we stand so to me I, I it sucks that we have to sit here and have this discussion of who's the better of the worst two options that we have and you know part of it is maybe because we don't have a third striker on the roster we've talked about potentially playing Pedro up there you know Nick talked about in part one the fact that maybe Williams just not cut out for this type of, of play which I mean, we should be looking at that Malcolm trade midseason um, with Barcelona. I, I don't know. I just, to me, I'm leaning towards Giroud right now, and I'm not writing anyone off. I'm just saying as it stands, if our best players are Pedro and Hazard for scoring goals with a little bit of Ross Barkley on the side from midfield, then we should be doing everything in our powers to get them the ball in dangerous areas so they can do their thing. I thought you were going to go with a little uh, Mambo number five there, you know? It was a, a hint. Little of, yeah. A little bit of Barkley on the side. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, look, it, it was like <laughs> that was playing in my head as I said it. So, yeah, I just I was surprised people picked up on it. I, I got a question that, that falls right into that. So my question. Oh, no, no, Mike, Mike, this is opportunity Jeez. for listeners to have a question. <laughs> no, no, I want to know from the three of you, should William have passed the ball to Murata instead of taking that shot. Both Should options you... are right. Both options are right. You'd expect him to score if he takes a shot. I, I expect him, I expect William to shoot that ball every single time. He had all the time and space to put that ball, you know, at the, at the far post, nestled in the corner, or to blast it near post. Neither one of those options would have been wrong, and he fucked both of them up. Uh, he, like, he should have pa- he should have passed it. Um, Murata was, as we know, as we know, he. Never scores over ten goals in a season, so he should be playing his own odds and set someone else up to score. I mean, pass it to fumble feet I, I, and I see made, what happens. I, I mocked you for a moment. I mocked you for a moment, and even though I did that, I know the right answer. You guys really think he should have passed it? I, I think. I think Absolutely. if you look 100%. back, I think William is very hesitant to pass it. Hell to Murata, yeah! And I, that he. But the thing is, is Murata's <laughs> no, no, no. We're not talking about Fernando Torres, who's kicking a ball out of an open uh, open net. Murata can finish. There are times where he gets tripped up or he does something <laughs> that's not feet. great. I know. But he would have he would have he would have finished that. He would have tapped it in. It it should I mean it would have been a difficult, you know, somewhat difficult of a pass, but I think the right pass is to to put it across the Okay, box. I guess my point is that if it goes in, we've seen that right where there's a teammate wide open, but the person on the ball has enough class or skill or talent and they just bury it so it doesn't matter. So to me it's like he had a wide open shot in a great situation, 
both options were right because William has the class and the talent and the ability to to bury it. He he just didn't. So you know what I'm saying? Like if you play that oh, ten times yeah. over and they split five and five, I'm okay with that. It just hindsight, yeah, but, right? But, hindsight. He missed, so it was the wrong option. Right, but I mean, how how many times in growing up have we seen that go out and you know, you know, William or your teammate hits it, and you you still get you see him get pulled and sat by a coach because he's just being selfish and you know trying a you know a lower percentage shot that actually worked as opposed to playing team team football. But but there was there was two two he was two paces in front of the nearest defender. He was two paces in front. He didn't and, have to take it all himself. If you look, if you watch, but he that, had an angle too. He had an angle. It wasn't as if he was like closed down one side or the other. I mean, but he it, had plenty of angles. The only thing that matters is converting it, and he didn't convert because he was selfish. I, look, we've all on this podcast said at some point or another, William and Hazard need to be more selfish at some point. Like. We've all said it, and unfortunately, like, he just, look, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. He fucked this one up. It doesn't mean that it was the wrong idea to, to rip a shot. It just means that you have to do better than that. Like, it, like typically, if it would have been, like, a weird, he has to chip it at a weird angle over, you know, over the goalkeeper, and, and it's a really, like, a class A finish that he has to put in to score the goal, then, of course, the better option is, Let's pass it to the side and let's have a little tappy tap. But at the end of the day, he has two really good options and he chose neither. <laughs> and like that, that really sucks. Like we wouldn't be having this, this whole game discussion if he just would have ripped one near post where Pickford has no shot at even deflecting it out. Like it just is a bummer that he, 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 he missed it. You know, like I, I don't know. Like that didn't frustrate me nearly as much as like the, the consistent offsides or, you know, anything like that in the game, uh, to be completely honest. They were they were yeah. bad offsides. I mean, that, like, they, they were lazy yeah. and just unaware offsides that he has to know better. He does. All right. Well, we'll throw it out to the, the social media sphere again. Um, who's right, Nick and Brandon, that William was fine shooting? Or Dan <laughs> and Mike, that uh, he should have passed the old fumble feet over there? <laughs> Let, let, this, let the position, score show. Great way to position fumble. it. Who was right? <laughs> I'm tr- no, no better American phrase than fumble feet. I mean, Dan, I'm. I look. I'm setting this up to be as as minimal biasness as possible. I mean, clearly, I presented Biasness argument first. Also definitely a word. All right. Anyways, um, yeah. <laughs> you're killing me right now. Bias. Here, here's a here's a funny question for you, Dan. We'll, we'll go ahead and. Uh, We'll bring it back the the brevity to this, the levity, not brevity. Anyways, Dino Mansoor, three, two, one. Is Callum Wilson good for us? Um, oh, this would be to the rumors that Callum, you know, we would go after Callum Hudson or uh, Callum Hudson and Doyle, right? Like you know that we would we play him, go, right? That's what we we're could talking go about. After him no, too. I think they're saying Callum Wilson is a potential January striking target. No, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, sure, he he'd be good. Um, you know he's you know fits a lot of profile criteria that the club like you know he's uh you know uh, mid mid plus 20s i think he's 26 years old he's uh english which is another thing that the club uh, has looked for in the past couple windows to add to the squad um 
he's done well under Eddie Howe and playing, uh, you know, Howe's football is really inspired by uh, Sorry a little bit. So, I mean, we have some level of understanding of the, the system. Um, you know, he, he does have a uh, repaired ACL, which obviously, again, as technology has improved and medical science has improved, is not the end-all, be-all of someone's career. And people have seemed to come back from it quicker, quicker, and, and more sturdier than they have before. Uh, he has two, right? Doesn't he have does they have? It, I think he has both. I think he has his oh, right dang. and left done. Yeah, the the double. Yeah, he he is the bionic man. Um, so I I would like to see his aim a touch higher if possible, but it's not a bad um, one. I do believe Eddie Howe has dismissed any um, willingness to part with that, but obviously uh, money talks sometimes. It just I feel like it would be an exorbitant fee uh, because of the uh, Brexit tax and. Um, you know, Nick, I would rather, if it's going to be a lot of money, like go after uh, an Accardi or uh, someone of that ilk. You're not going to Correct. pull a Accardi yep. out of Inter Milan during Champions League for Europa League, right? I mean, right? As Kevin Garnett once said, anything is possible. Anything is possible. You know, and I think we all need to realize that. As words of wisdom. Uh, yeah, okay, well, e- either <laughs> way, I would say to, I'll let Nick talk about Callum Wilson, but he's not technical enough. I mean, he's he's speed and power. That that's his game, and I don't think Sari is interested in that. I just I don't see like I I understand why you know we we've been linked with some of the striker targets we've been linked to you know and and I think you know th- those players are just. Above all, they're just Class A finishers. You know, I don't care if they're poachers. I don't care if they're speed merchants. I don't care if they're physical Drogba types. All of the ones that we like have legitimate links to over the past year, at least, have been just Class A finishers, and that is what we need. If you look at this squad and you're thinking, "Hey, what is this squad missing?" It's a Class A finisher. Beyond Eden Hazard, who obviously is. So whoever we pick up at whatever point needs to fit that bill and contribute 20 goals a season. That's the end-all, be-all of this discussion. If we pick up someone, again, who does less than that in that role, we would have failed because that's not what we need. So... As you're as you're evaluating your own striker targets audience, and we we know that everyone has their preferences and and players they like, ask yourself: Is this player a class A finisher? Do I have proof that this player is a class A finisher? Is it not just a YouTube reel that's convincing me that this player is a class A finisher? If so, super, bring him in. If not, evaluate other targets. Okay. Well. We're going to end this one uh, with hella controversy, as the youngins say. Mike coming at you hotter than you can probably handle. John on Facebook saying, is getting a top class right attacking right back a possible solution to our system's failure in order to hit top gear? I think if we could move Dave to the back line and have an attacking option on the right to link up with Pedro or William and chip in with goals and assists, the team will feel a lot better better rounded um hot take alert strajan 
Katri1 on Instagram saying, Should we play Zapacosta instead of Aspilicueta? Aspilicueta is obviously our captain and a world-class defender, but his crosses have been haphazard at best, while Zapacosta has been somewhat impressive in Europe. So Srijan just said, no. you should take out no. a world-class no. defender to put yeah. in a somewhat no. impressive defender. <laughs> Um, That's my favorite. My favorite line in that is somewhat. <laughs> like, hey, stop eating New York pizza to have a somewhat less impressive Chicago pizza. You know, should we change? Should we change our perspective there, Brandon? Thoughts? Well, I appreciate you trying to take my job, but no, sir. I pitched it to Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think that. I think the problem is at right wing uh, and potentially in the right midfield position for our offensive-ish woes, if you want to call them that. I don't, you know, we were talking about this this morning, and like at at a certain point where we're going to start saying that Kepa needs to be making more assists with long balls to help our issue. You know, there's only so much propping up that you can do. And I think, you know, you're not going to get me on the record on tape saying that I think that as Piliqueta should be benched for, uh, you know, something else, because I don't, I don't think that's what's best for the team at this point. And you know what the club should do though, is, uh, take a look at the work that a one Reese James is doing on his loan, because, uh, while you might want to look at, you know, some of the, um, um, Crystal Palace's, um, right back, uh, Basaka, uh, Basaka, Yep, uh, that might be another one that you might want to go after, but it might be a little bit cheaper, um, which the club does like at times, and uh, give you that wonderful benefit of having grown-up players through your academy and youth ranks uh, to bring Reese James back to be competitive for that spot because I think he is doing everything you would want to see out of someone who could fulfill that role for Chelsea as being that dominating right back in this system. Uh, because I, I think, Mike, you're, you're right that we do have problems on the right wing, but the way that this system works is there's a lot of you know ball play being pushed forward and the interchange between Asby, Conte, and William or Pedro is atrocious between the three of them. Uh, you know, some of the times we call it Conte because it's really either an issue with Asby or uh, Pedro slash William in terms of like where they are. Like the three of them are not operating in the same mind sphere at times and it has caused problems reese james would would solve a lot of the um the speed and ball handling you know issues that we would like to see um but and it's not to say that dave again shouldn't be given time to continue to try to improve in this position um you know, I think he, he did really well against Zaha um, in terms of you know shutting him down, and it kind of gave the, the left flank a little bit more of an opportunity to push forward. So it's just going to be how do we balance that appropriately. All right, and then to wrap it up, why are we wasting Christensen away on the bench? All about E saying how long are we going to play David Luiz over Christensen? He slips up too regularly. And then Larry on Facebook saying, my question is one that's been racing through my mind since Thursday. What are we doing with our young talent in Christensen? Are we not in jeopardy of losing him? He should be the future, but that looks highly doubtful given the lack of trust Sorry, is giving him. It seems we are likely to lose our future anchor. What's your take, fellas? Because I am actually really worried about this. Uh, You know, let's see. Who bought the Christensen kit recently? How you feel about that? Good decision, or was that a curse? Uh, I I feel 
I feel fine because he will. Uh, well, I have a Hazard jersey too, so let's hope it's not a curse. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it'd be, it'd be quite unfortunate. Um, no, I mean I think it's going to be fine. I, I think he's getting more playing time now with the you know, Europa League. I think you know again he's one injury away from being a starting center back for us. You know if you look at you know the lineup that came in for you know this past match, you know you were looking for you know left and right for Cahill and he wasn't to be found. It was Christensen who was on the bench, so he was the next man up from a center back perspective. So uh, look, I, I think he's had a couple rough games. To be fair, uh, as someone who is an admirer of the work that he does in the pitch. Uh, I, I do think, though, Nick, that, again, I, I think it's going to be solved. He's getting playing time now. The games are coming fast and furious. The rotation will be there. We'll get a chance to see him. And if he should start ahead of David Luiz, like, you, it will happen. It will happen naturally. And, um, you know, we should just, you know, be excited for it. We should not wish ill on David Luiz, but we should be excited for, you know, Christian to taking a shot when he gets it. Yeah, like, I, I understand that people are, are Christensen fans, but... After a performance like today, like where I thought David Luiz played really well for the most part, like why do we have to burn our own house down to, you know, to to erect a new house at that point? Like, I think David Luiz has played relatively well throughout the year. I I understand the ball movement may not be as fast uh, as as we would like, but um, there's the occasional blip there, but it's not like he's, you know, not like he's really that bad right now. I think I think he's actually playing pretty well. So um I don't know. Like I, I, I like Christensen a lot, but if he was better than David Luiz, he would be playing on um, most of the time, you know? Like that's that's all there is to it. A- amen to that. Like let's be honest. If Christensen is smart, he's going to spend this year learning, you know, working on his, his you know, his ball handling, learning the system. Louise is 31, right? I mean, he's not got that many years in front of him, and Christensen needs to just outperform him to get the spot. I don't think, I don't, I don't see what people are seeing thinking that with the performance that Christensen has put in, that somehow he should be starting against Premier League opponents with how he's played in Europe. And, and I get the idea of not wanting us to lose young talent, but we're always going to be stuck in a situation of having, uh, you know, a senior team that has world-class stars and that we're always going to have younger kids running up into certain spots in which, you know, it's pretty hard to take a Hazard's place and, and certain things. And, you know, yeah, the Academy hasn't produced always the the players that we wanted, but we're moving in that direction. And I think, well, so I think to, to the point you're making though, ultimately I think where the concern is, is that people have around you know, Christensen as this example is you know you've seen other players um, who a have not been able to get time in the Premier League go off to the Bundesliga and become extremely successful like uh, you know Sancho is a really great example of that uh, you know Christensen has shown an ability last season um, you know for multiple matches that he has an ability to play at a Premier League level. And I think right now it's just a matter of a, a competition between him and David Luiz is is fierce. And it's not a matter of that Christensen isn't talented enough, but the opportunity uh, is not there. And that could be 
just eating away and saying, like, look, you know, I, I want to play for my national team regularly. I want to play for a club team regularly. I don't want to waste my career playing behind someone. And I think it's, just, you know, it, it's going to be personnel management. And what we've seen from Sari so far is that he seems to be very capable of managing some pretty extreme, you know, wonderful personalities on our team. And I, I don't think Christensen will be different from that. I think what he's shown over the course of this, and this obviously is the gawking from his father, not necessarily him, but um, I think he's shown himself to be a professional as well. And I, I think this will resolve itself naturally and in a positive way for him and the club. I don't think it's going to be a matter of, you know, he's going to be gone in January. We're never going to speak of him again, uh, or that he's going to go in the next window. Like he, he has a future at Chelsea and it will be, uh, it will be, you know, actualized uh, as long as he can, you know, live up to his end of the bargain. And, you know, we just, again, Luis doesn't have an eternity to play. And, you know, eventually, like, you're going to have to figure out who that next person is. And uh, hopefully we're just not looking at, you know, someone else internationally because you want to be able to spend big, like on Kepa, every window on a player. But if you're constantly buying squad players for 20, 30, 40 million pounds, you will never be able to do that. And like the squad players need to come from the academy. Otherwise, why have the or one of the best academies in Europe? That would be stupid. And so I don't believe the club would be stupid. I don't believe the people who run it to be stupid. But it would be stupid to not make sure that there is a great pathway um, from one to the other. Brandon. I think he'll leave. <laughs> After all that thoughtful discussion, Brandon has his own agenda on the show. Well, but let's also be honest. I, the th- the thing that kills me is that there is anyone who has played the sport knows there are times in which you're playing, you're competing for spots, especially against older competition. It, you have to do something absolutely special to take an upperclassman's starting position. And to me, the difference between Chelsea and the difference between some of our North London uh, foes is that go to Spurs. Get all the playing time you want for 21-year-old kids, and guess what? What's in, what's in their trophy cabinet, right? A bunch of dust. And the difference is that Chelsea makes sure that they have senior vetted players that do well. And it's not that we can't have youth playing. It's just at times it's pretty damn difficult to get into that rotation. And But nobody's complaining about it when we're lifting trophies. That's So I think... We have to try and, and just weigh the difference and say, yeah, we want our youth to come through and develop. But at the same time, we're here to win trophies and silverware and compete. That That's my two cents. To, to be fair, though, that's why I'm not a Spurs fan is I have allergies and the dust is actually just kicks up and it's, it's, <laughs> it's too much. You know, so uh, just need a little... Well, what if they actually did have an empty trophy case at their grounds and let it get dusty? Like, what if that is the reality that we are laughing about right now? I, look, I put nothing past them. Um, they're useless, and unfortunately for us, we have to play them next. So, good. You know, like let's just go. Good. You segue. mean unfortunately for them? Sure. Or what? All right. Um, so before we hit it, because we are uh, actually just going to essentially talk about it and wrap it up. Um, Nick, again, we have a second code for everyone to use at World Soccer Shop before we wrap up. Correct. In addition to code London Pod, we have uh, which will get you ten percent off. We have code New Kits for you know. Let's pretend that you're going to buy one of the new Chelsea the kits yellow this year, kit. One of the three. The yellow kit's the best. <laughs> Look, I'm not going to lie. Like that. That's our preference, but. 
If you're going to buy one of the three available options, uh, code new kits will get you free shipping on new kits that expires on the 18th of November. So take advantage of that pretty quick. And uh, that way you get the free shipping, then you get the 10% off. And all we're really doing here is just saving you a tremendous amount of money. So um, you've heard it here first. Go do that. Bam. All right. Like I said, we are out of time, but we do want to remind you that it is an international break this coming weekend. I'm sorry. It's not my fault. Um, Hopefully we have some content for you. But just in case, the next match are Spurs. It will be a Premier League match. It will not be at White Hart Lane. Uh, and it will be Saturday, is November it, 24th, right is, after Thanksgiving it, for all of you American supporters out there. Is it because their stadium was well-constructed and on time in terms of you know being available to yes, play there? Yes, it's just too nice, or, unfortunately. Oh, yep. okay, cool. Well, I'm glad they didn't have any major mishaps or anything with that, so that's good to hear. Yeah, they're advertising it's the best place to watch the Champions League in London, and, uh, you know, I, I mean, I'm looking forward to when we go over there. Uh, maybe we can catch a Champions League match uh, in the new uh, stadium, the new uh, White Hart Lane, oh, Nick. That would be a good idea. Unfortunately, though, Dan, and I, I'm not sure if you know this, <laughs> not only are they not moving on in the Champions League. What? Uh, unbelievable. Uh, their stadium won't also be done. Um, so maybe there's like a TV outside of the stadium or something. Perhaps. Well, when you build a stadium that looks like a toilet bowl, you should expect shit. Oh. Nailed it. Oh. Oh. Anyways, that, I mean that's it. That's all we got. It's, we got Spurs or shit next, and that is really where we have to leave it. Unfortunately, um, just a reminder: the top four: City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Spurs. So it's a big match from that standpoint. I mean, a draw isn't the end of the world, but obviously we want to go to fake White Hart Lane at Wembley and and beat them. Um, that that is a, an absolute must. It would be a statement game uh, as we continue our run for for the top four for the title. However, Brandon, you Brandon, have set your expectations. Yes, just a, a quick a quick query for you, um, Chelsea. Do they have a good record at Wembley? Perhaps even winning silverware? Or is that a figment of my imagination in which we have lived the last 10 years is a lie? Look, if you were to ask... It, it's not the oregano, Nick. It's it's actually reality. Mm, mm, I see where you're going with that, Dan. You're, you're in a whole new era over there in, in Amsterdam. Yeah. Uh, yes, many, many great memories. Uh, let's just ask not retired Didier Drogba how much he loves Wembley. Hmm. Okay. Good point about that then. Awesome. Let's do it. All right. Well, thank you so much again for listening, Chelsea fans. You have been absolutely amazing. And we appreciate all of the social media questions you threw at us this week. They were top class as always. But that's it. That's all the time we have for this week. Hopefully you enjoy your international break. Hopefully you find something to do with all that free time in your hands. Us, we have no idea what we'll be doing. But anyways, until next time, Chelsea fans. You know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.